Welcome to You Heard Me Right, a podcast that brings people together through creativity, collaboration, and colorful conversation. I'm your host, Casey. Today's episode brings together three extraordinary individuals whose passion for creativity and helping the community make for a fantastic closing session on our Atlanta tour stop. Oh, don't worry. We have more exciting stops to make this season, winky face. Okay. The topic for today's episode is low battery. I hope that whatever device you're listening to the show on right now is fully charged up because you won't want to miss this one. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, hey, (laughs) y'all. Sorry that I sound all panicky. I made a new move and left the house without my charger and my phone's about to die, which is obviously the worst thing that can ever happen out of all the things. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me, sir. Do you happen to have a charger that I can borrow real quick? Uh, for what? Um, maybe because if my phone dies, all of existence basically ceases to exist along with it, please, sir. (laughs) No. Shoot. Okay, well, this isn't ideal, but I'm sure it'll all be fine. Okay, let me just host the show. I bet our guest writer Emily would have let me borrow her charger. No, she wouldn't. I'm Emily McLean. I am a playwright and a theater educator, and I'm based in Atlanta. I got the theme, Low Battery. And initially, my first reaction was, Like, oh, that is so how everybody is feeling right now um, at this point. You know, I mean, we've all, I think, felt this, like nobody ever gets a chance to fully recharge anymore. You know, like when your cell phone is just about dead and it turns like that scary red, the little battery does. And I felt a little bit like, I don't know that I want to tell that story right now because everybody everybody is feeling that. And I kind of pulled back from that and thought about like, what are other things that that run out of juice? Emily will now read her piece entitled Transmission 56.744.2. Hi, Sylvia. Greetings from the Proxima Centauri Observation Post. I know you didn't expect to hear from me, but um, work is getting interesting. Admin has switched the threat level tonight from Red Dwarf Collapse Watch to a Red Dwarf Collapse Imminent. They woke everyone up and then they just expected us to go back to bed, but when people were freaking out, 
They suggested if we wanted to record a message to transmit to the outer colonies, we could do that too. I wasn't going to do one, but then the guy from HR reminded me that I still have you listed as my life insurance beneficiary, so you're welcome, I guess. I hope this gets to you. I'd like to imagine you're listening to it on those pink earbuds that I got you for your birthday. But they might be dead by now. Maybe. Maybe not. So, right, what to say next. Um, I've spent a lot of time tonight staring out at the exposed center of the star. You can tell it's dying. There will be moments where the segments of the star's atmosphere detach and sputter out into oblivion, leaving the raw core open. I wonder how long the star knew. She has to know she's dying, right? There's an urgent desperation in each second now. Every moment burns with a hotter intensity than the last. It's like she's saying, I'm still here. I'm still fighting. But she knows it's a losing battle. It makes me think of how we ended things. Or how I felt when you ended things. Well, anyway. What I'm trying to say is, it's a rare and precious gift to be present at the end of something so special to bear witness to these final moments. I wanted you to know I'm grateful for everything. All of it. Thank you, Emily. I really felt the desperation and longing in your writing. I'm down to like 7%. And Loki, I have no idea where I am or how I'm going to get to the studio. And turning on the GPS now would just fry this thing. And then I might not have the opportunity to introduce you to the first of today's guest artist, Garrett. And that would make me sad. My name is Garrett. I'm from Georgia, father of two, and... I um, am a musician, and I um, play the piano and the guitar and the bass. I write songs, and, and I started a band called Torture Castle. So when I got the, the piece, I feel like sometimes I can tell when I interpret someone's like artistic work that there are times when I'm like, oh, I'm in that place. When you did that, I could feel what you were doing. I kind of I took it. I read it. I decided to go outside and smoke a cigarette and just write it really quickly. Before I could get outside, I already had like my little notes app and my phone open, and I was just sort of producing the thing as I was moving. Before I could even finish the one crummy cigarette I had, I had written it and finished the whole thing. If you don't hear from me soon, it's because my phone is dead, skull emoji, upside down smiley face emoji. Uh, for some reason, octopus emoji. There's no time for this. Hey, you're back. Cool. Um, looks like I'll have just enough juice left to introduce you to our second audio artist, Willie. Uh-oh. Well, hello. I'm Dr. Willie Hilliard-Smith Jr., and I am an Atlanta native, born and raised here, and um, got a serious hobby in playing the tenor saxophone. When I got the piece, I was immediately excited. I read the piece several times to really try to make sure I got the message, make sure that I got the tone of what was being portrayed. Didn't even try to pick up the saxophone on that first day because I really wanted to make sure I got the, no pun intended, the tenor of what was being done um, within the piece. Most importantly, um, just really trying to say, okay, 
if this um, piece was literature turned into song, would someone be able to capture that contemplative pain, which was the theme that I picked up the most? Okay, I'm down to 1%, but you don't have to worry about whatever happens to me. I'll be fine. At least I think so, because I very rarely have to try to maneuver the world without my phone. But you, you should stay exactly where you are so that I can find you on the other side of this break, because we're going to have some amazing guests and some amazing artistic responses, and you'll get to learn the special reason why the three people that were chosen today were grouped together to be a part of this episode. So, Garrett and... Emily and Willie, I am so excited to welcome you to You Heard Me Right, bringing it back on home. And Emily was the writer in our low battery cohort, making Garrett and Willie our two soundies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, typically we don't get into any chatting parts until after we've listen to the, the the pieces. But um just just briefly out of curiosity, you know, Emily, you are the writer, but what is like your nine to five? Like what else do you do? Um well I'm a, a high school theater teacher. Interesting, um, interesting. Yeah. Got a teacher in the house. <laughs> okay, Garrett, you are one of our soundies. What like what's your nine to five? What do you do? Uh, I work for the fire department. I'm a firefighter. Interesting. And so Willie, you are here as one of our soundies, but why don't you tell the folks what you do for your day job? So my day job is that I am a hospitalist, uh, which is a physician that takes care of uh, patients that need to be hospitalized here at a local hospital in the Atlanta area. Yeah. So this is our first ever You Heard Me Right Essential Hero Worker oh, nice. Edition. <laughs> Yay! Nice. So I was just That's really... <laughs> Fascinated and excited by the thought of getting creative people together who also are like saving people and teaching the children and all the things. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is amazing. So very happy to have you all here. And do, do we say thank, thank you? Thank you uh, for being here and for doing uh, all the stuff you do. Uh, thank you. That's, that's, really, that's really dope. I appreciate you doing that, Casey. Man, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. And so now, I, I suppose the moment that we've all been waiting for, I know Emily probably certainly has, we will listen to the pieces, the audio pieces that were created and inspired by Emily's beautiful written piece that was inspired by the theme, Low Battery. And so queued up first, I believe we have Garrett's response and so, let's take a listen to that now. Punk 
punk rock has oh, come to yes. you. Heard me right, <laughs> ladies. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right. So next, we will listen to Willie's audio response. Jazz has now come to you. You heard me right. So, Emily, I am so curious. Your written piece has elicited these two just... I, I mean, I feel the the energy and the tie-in to your piece in both of them in completely different ways, yes, completely different yeah. styles, completely different genres. Like, what are you thinking right now? I, uh, yeah, I'm really floored at how um, different they both are and how I can definitely see where both of them are drawing from different elements of the piece. Um, and it's it's fascinating the way that they came and evolved like that. Um, so Garrett's piece, I thought, was it had a lot of the, like the anger that I think is is unresolved in the character, right? Like there mm. they like there is a lot of that like very, very tightly controlled bitterness. Um, at the end of a relationship where they didn't feel like it was resolved. Right. And so then that channeling into like punk rock seems like a really natural mm-hmm. evolution. I thought that I I, I had a um, the ending of it. I had a real, um, I don't know, I thought it was a, there was some real beauty in the, mm. uh, and I guess the acknowledgement sometimes that something can't be beautiful and over. Yeah. You know? So oh, I yeah. thought that was like, I just, you know, it's just a, uh, it's a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people just like a, a, associate the end of something with uh, all negative, I guess. And sometimes it doesn't have to be all negative. It can be very like it can be a very beautiful thing that you can like always love and enjoy and always find. Mm-hmm. You know. What about with with Willie's piece, Emily? What did you hear in in smooth jazz <laughs> land that tied into your piece? So that one, it for me, it evoked the the sense of like a job to do, right? Mm-hmm. That this was very much like you're going to work and you're going about your day and you're just going to do things as you've always done them. But there was this like undercurrent of of melancholy that was in there. And I thought that was really interesting um, just to have, have that as this is going to be a normal 
day and I'm going to try to maintain a sense of everything's fine and I'm going to talk about, you know, a thing I gave you for your birthday and I'm going to make a joke about, you know, how you're about to get some money because I'm about to die, but ha, ha, ha. Um, But then it's also that abrupt ending that it had that I thought was really interesting. You know, that's a very interesting take that you have there, Emily. Um, so I was really trying to make sure that ethos uh, was coming through of, hey, you know, this is ending. And and certainly, as you wrote out in your piece where, you know, he was just going about his business until someone from HR said, hey, reach out um, to somebody, anybody. And so in a way, it was he was kind of trying to do that uh, from a perfunctory uh, standpoint. And I really didn't intentionally put that part in there, but more so try to express the emotions um, that the character had in, in reaching out uh, to Sylvia. And uh, interesting, that's an interesting take that you, that you heard there. I, I had a, um, to me it sounded really sensual, like almost as if it was like hearkening back to like moments that were not discussed, like between the two mm-hmm. like ex-lovers like in the piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like it was like I don't know, it was like, it was more of a, it seemed more nostalgic for like a, a love lost kind of idea mm. to me. So this is what I got. From yeah. That. Garrett, when I heard your piece, first I was thinking, wow, this is uh, amazing in a lot of ways. And uh, especially since my wheelhouse is not anything rock, metal um, in that in, in that vein. But certainly um, one of the things I did appreciate was similar themes um, um, to my piece as well, in which there was a lot of dissonance um, to kind of show that, that you know, something is off here in this relationship. And also I love the, um, the just a heartbreak at the end, like there was a finality um, to it, uh, which you know we tried to also get across as well. So it was just really uh, awesome just to see two different genres having the same themes come, come across in the, in the music. And love and sci-fi. And I'm curious, since we're, we're going down this path of like romance and sci-fi and storytelling, do you have a favorite sci-fi series, genre? It could be TV show, film, movie. And like, why do you love that thing? Yeah, um, I I love Star Trek Next Generation. Like, I grew up watching it with my dad, and that was, like, our thing. Um, I love Star Wars. I enjoy Star Wars, but I will always be Trekkie. Uh, seems like we just kindred spirits. So, certainly for me, it, it's definitely Star Trek, the next generation, hands down. Um, I think um, just the portrayal um, that Patrick Stewart did of Jean-Luc Picard uh, was just awesome. Yes. Um, and just the way that that series, from start to finish— just very impactful on my life. Uh, I still look at the uh, the DVD sets I have in my house right now. I I like um, Firefly. Anybody? I do Firefly. Love Firefly. Ooh, boy, Space Cowboys, man! Yeah. And then it's got all that. It's all it's so sappy. It's got so mm-hmm. much love in it. It's so yeah. just like soaking with love. Yeah, but you know, I was a uh, the first. I think, I can't believe I'm admitting this on tape. But the first Star Wars movie I ever saw was. I guess episode one, right? If I'm doing oh, it the right Phantom way. Oh, Menace. Yeah, right? And then I, I went to see You were late to it. Then. I know. I went to see in the theaters, and I, they were like, don't ever tell anybody this. Don't ever <laughs> tell anyone. This is what you did first. I was like, okay. But now I am telling everyone. Wow, yes. Gary. Here we go. Is, can we keep it on the record? Is sure, that something? Oh, sure, sure. It's okay. fine. Yeah, just, <laughs> just making sure. Yeah, yeah. So, well, people don't know this yet, but I was chatting with Emily earlier about how— 
when I found out that we were going to get a second season of the show, I was like, oh, it's going to be interesting to hear and see what people decide to craft their art about because, you know, we probably won't be talking about the pandemic or anything like that, you know, by then. So I'm really curious, and I don't want this to be like Debbie Downer question, pandemic question, but like, how you how you doing? Like how uh, within— the grand scheme of things, like how how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing better. I feel bad. I mean, I feel like I'm making the right decisions, and that my loved ones are as well. You know, mm-hmm. and like doing the right things. So I feel like I can really only take accountability for myself. I think all the things are there now, and like you can still follow the rules and do the things, and you can feel pretty good. I don't feel as low as I did. I'm sure you're having a really rough year at school. I love some teachers, and they yeah. are having a really rough year at school. What what grade do you say you teach? So I teach high school. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, it this has been a hard mm-hmm. year. That's what I've heard. It's like really, really hard in education. Um, I, I actually was not in the classroom for um twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. So the the fall of that year. I finished out the spring, you know, when like March thirteenth and we all went home and mm-hmm. my poor kids, we were working on um Matilda, uh the musical, and we were supposed to open, you know, at the end of April. And they were like, Miss McLean, are how long is this gonna be? Is it, are they gonna cancel the show? And I was like, guys, I don't I don't know. Right. And so I like I hugged their necks and then I never saw them again. Oh man. Like, yeah. And so that was rough. Um and then I was home, so we did um digital schooling for my personal children for that year. And so I kind of managed that. And that was a nightmare. Elementary school teachers are like some kind of angel, saint, miracle workers. I could never, I could never. (laughs) Um, But then going back into the classroom now this year, it was a really rough adjustment, yeah. um, and there was a lot of still early in the in the fall. I mean, we were we were masked, um, but it was still a lot of a lot of stress and just you know that anxiety of kids not being around each other really for you know such a long time, and then to suddenly like shove them back in a classroom, and then oh by the way, we are also like everything the expectations are all back to normal right. and we're you know we're all doing the things that we always did before and it wasn't the same as before and so to try and like pretend that it was was rough right so i think we've settled into a better sense of that and i think that there have been some adjusted um expectations and and there's been you know they're they've gotten reacclimated to the idea of like being around people and and having that socialization again um so that's been wonderful but yeah it's been rough so for me in the hospital it was such a roller coaster um in the beginning, um, because so many people were scared to come yeah. to the hospital, we actually had a lot of downtime and we were uh, not seeing as many uh, patients. And then as the uh, uh, pandemic went on, then we started to see more and more patients that were coming in uh, that were sick, not only with COVID, but also with other um, maladies that that just 
continued to get out of control because they were not able to see their primary care physicians or keep up with their oncology appointments. And so what was really um, troubling for, for a, a lot of us was that um, while we were seeing a good portion of the COVID patients, we knew that the stroke patients were still out there, but they weren't coming in. Mm. We knew that the patients who were dealing with heart failure were out there, but they were not coming in. We knew that the patients that were having diabetic crises were out there. They just weren't coming in. And now what we're starting to see is a lot of those um, ill effects from just not being able to um, access the medical system for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, even even more so now, so, such that it's now flipped on its head in which our hospitals are full. We have very little COVID, but it's everything else that has just unfortunately um, um, been exacerbated that much more um, that we're seeing in the hospital right now. Yeah, I mean... Through the first year of the pandemic, when it was just like, mm. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that Nicolas Cage movie, um, Bring mm. Out the Dead. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I was watching that movie like every day. I was coming home and be like, I get it, man. I get it, man. <laughs> and it was, but it's like, and I'm not trying to be like, there's this whole thing that happens when, and I don't actually even agree with this, this thing that happens to people when, you know, you work in this environment enough where you just start becoming sort of callous and like yeah. being able to be like, find this really dark humor in it. But everyone starts to do it, and you're like, I don't know, you guys, culturally, maybe we should change this. Uh, you know, maybe, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe we should, maybe this isn't the answer. You know I, what I'm saying? I don't know if this is like laughing about it sometimes is the answer, but you know, whatever. What is it about the pandemic that made people gravitate toward Nicolas Cage? Because, like, I mm-hmm. went through, I, I seriously, I binge watched like his entire, his entire <laughs> filmography over the course of the pandemic. It's just, I don't know, it's something about like th- everything is so jacked up. And yeah. it almost seems like his his acting style is normal now, and that's that's. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, what's your top five Nicolas Cage movies? I'm sorry, I got I went to this whole other. Oh my goodness, I have to really think. The first one that comes to mind was the one that I saw as a youngster, Raising Arizona. Mm. He was phenomenal in that. Um, mm-hmm. Then I had to start to think, like, what else has he been? I know he's been in a lot of stuff, but. Um, Definitely not a huge movie person to be able to tell you. I would have to sit down to think on that one. Um, I really, really love Grand Isle. Wow. Um, it's That's really terrible. It's really terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. And then Primal, I really oh, love. Yeah. Um, I love Willy's Wonderland. I love Kill Chain. I love um, <laughs> uh, the, oh God, what's the one where he's... Um, Oh, he's having sex with the the daughter, and he thinks that it's his the reincarnated spirit of his dead wife. I can't remember the title of it right now. No, yeah, just sit this one out. Is it the Weatherman? No, <laughs> no. You have some to... deep cuts, some like real deep Nick. Yeah, because yeah. I I go raising Arizona. Everybody, sure, of course. Oh, That's Arizona. a wonderful. It's that is a legit true. wonderful. That's movie. one of everyone's favorite. Raising Arizona. It's like buying Budweiser beer or something. You know, so it's like <laughs> raising Arizona, and then I do um, oh, what was a. I really like the Weatherman. Yeah, I really like the Weatherman. That, is uh, Lord of War movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like what the hell is this? That's thing? a good one. Where's this thing coming from? And then, um, oh, uh, David Lynch one. I have friends who are going to listen to this and be like, "Dude, we are not <laughs> friends anymore. We are done. The-, <laughs> the friendship is over." We are Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart. Oh yeah. Oh, Heather Dern. From, yeah. From Twin Peaks. Of course, hey, from Twin Peaks, because okay, David anyway. Lynch is doing it. Anyway, yeah. So I think I only said four, but I'm going to tell you. Um, I'll just say Conair. There, so you there, go. Go. there you go. This might be one of the best conversations <laughs> I've heard in a long time. Amazing. And it actually 
it, it leads me into <laughs> where I wanted to go with this, like uh, going— Talking about Nick Cage. <laughs> but yes, clearly this whole podcast should be the Nick Cage Appreciation Podcast. Um, I hope he hears this. Hi, please yeah. listen to our show. Big fan <laughs> of your work, yeah, sir. They, we got some, got some fans here. I'm curious to know, since this process was completely anonymous, you didn't know who was going to be here. You didn't know— who you're going to be meeting. So I'm curious, that part of this process for you, how did that feel for you? And now that you're here, you know, is it like chill? Are you okay? Is this fun? What you thinking? Yeah, this is super fun. I love it. I've had a blast. Yeah, me too. It's very laid back. It's been very inviting the whole time and comfortable. I generally, like, I think whenever I go into any place new, I'm like, oh, my God, you are so weird, Garrett. <laughs> like, so I'm constantly just like, what are you saying? But y'all are pretty welcoming people. Y'all are never like, what is he saying? You know, so <laughs> that's pretty nice, so I appreciate it. For sure. This is a very come-as-you-are type of podcast. Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity. This was Absolutely. really This was really fun. I've felt like I've grown that much more as a musician now, so thank you. This was really good. into next week's episode, which is a slight departure from our regularly scheduled road trip. But if you've made it this far, you're probably the type of person who will dig it. We'll hear you later. You Heard Me Right is a Spotify SoundUp original series and was workshopped as part of the SoundUp Podcasting Accelerator at Spotify headquarters in New York City. From Could Be Pretty Cool Productions, this episode was produced and edited by Casey Willis. Audio engineering by Dante Hodge. Mixing and sound design by Moon Echo Audio. And videography by Jacob McCoy. Our executive producers are Casey Willis and Moon Echo Audio. Special thanks to Greg Cooler at Lantern Audio, Gina, Baron, Lexi, Caroline, and Simone. From Spotify, executive producers Julie McNamara, Corinne Gilliard, Miguel Contreras, Natalie Tillock, and James Dumwall. For more information about today's guest artists, visit us at HerdWrightPod.com or follow us on IG at HerdWrightPod. Thanks for listening.